Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and our guest today is Amber Gunst, the CEO of Austin Technology Council. Welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you, AJ. Nice to talk with you. Yeah, we were talking before the show, and our paths across in several prior roles. And uh, for those who don't know, who don't know you, as we were talking about, where were you, where were you most recently before uh, coming to the helm of ATC? Well, I spent a couple of years in technology staffing, which was has really played an interesting part into discussing with our members about their staffing issues because staffing is the biggest issue in tech right now mm-hmm. and making sure that they've got the right people. So being able to really have that conversation has, has helped. You talk a little about you know, this overview of ATC for those who aren't familiar, they're new to, new to Austin. Um, I know it was founded in 1992, I believe, but you give us an overview of what, what y'all, like kind of the impetus of the founding and what's going on. We'll, we'll get to that too. What's going on right now and, and all that. Well, we were founded, like you said, back in 1992. And that was when, you know, software was still this little baby idea in Austin of we should develop software companies. Uh, hardware was king back then and, and did amazing work. You had companies like National Instruments and Dell and Silicon Labs and AMD here. And you had Laura Kilcrease and Pike Powers and a whole group that was doing work within the Austin Technology Incubator talking about the importance of having something around software. So they developed the Austin Software Council and we were running under that name for several years and then the tech bust hit here in Austin and hardware companies took a big hit during that time as well. So we rebranded to the Austin Technology Council to encompass hardware and software. And since that time in the early 2000s, technology has become far more than just software and hardware. So Mm -hmm. we really focus on every aspect of it, including digital marketing and, and how people are using various apps and, and e-commerce platforms and everything else. So we really do touch on everything that technology touches. And most recently, we've been touching a little bit on the food industry because you've got a lot of groups like So Chinese Delivery and Tips Treats who are using technology to actually enhance and expand their businesses. And, and in So's mm-hmm. aspect, they, they did it to launch the business. Like point of sale and supply chain, I mean, all, all aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Aspects of it. And, you know, when you look at Tiff Streets and the fact that they're looking to branch out and go to a national brand, they have to use technology in order to develop every single aspect of how that business is run. Got you. Well, I want to, you know, I think, uh, switch to, to this, the impacts of COVID that you've seen on the tech community. I think amongst, you know, at this point, we're in the fourth quarter of 2020, um, the impacts to COVID on business community across the country is well documented and known, but love for you to talk about some particular experiences your members are seeing on the staffing side or across the board uh, as we close out the year. Well, the interesting thing about COVID is the tech industry has definitely been affected by COVID. You know, I think you see groups like Main Street Hub that was acquired by GoDaddy and their office unfortunately closed down here in Austin and affected their sales force. But for the most part, when you look at tech companies and you look at what, how they're positioned and what they do, tech is really here to kind of solve problems. And a lot of problems popped up in the February, March, and April timeframe that people didn't realize that they were going to have. So, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about Amazon and how 
much Amazon has done over the last several months. And they were starting to go to a negative place. And I said, wait, stop. If, if you didn't have Amazon delivery, if you didn't have Instacart, if you didn't have Favor, if you didn't have all shipped and all these different all these different tools to be able to get products to your home, how how would you have done all of this? You know, like like when HEB said, listen, we can only let so many people in the store. When all the grocery stores said that, you you saw this big stop of what a lot of people were able to do on a regular basis. And so when you look at technology, a lot of companies were there to help solve it. So bank branches were suddenly closed down where you couldn't go inside. And for a couple of weeks, the tellers weren't even inside the banks. So you had to do everything either through the ATM, which a lot of people were really nervous and uncomfortable about, or you had to figure out how to do everything online. I personally have not had cash on me since early March. And so I've relied on, you know, different payment methods. So Venmo, which I use pretty frequently, uh, my Apple Pay, because I can use it with my phone and I really don't need to touch anything when I'm in the store while I'm doing that. And so I think really looking at technology and, and especially on the data and cybersecurity side, all of these companies, whether you're a tech company or you're a mom and pop type company, you had to deploy your workers home and you had to look at the security of what was happening to your infrastructure and everything else. So setting up VPNs, figuring out how to get the office phones to connect with somebody's phone in their home or their cell phone. And it's a pretty easy thing to do when you're looking at a small number of your employees, but when you're looking at your entire workforce, it becomes a much bigger thing. I mean, when I was trying to log in with you today, I was having some issues with Zoom because my computer did this really big update last week. And so my microphones and my, my speakers weren't working. And so trying to troubleshoot all of that and figuring out how to do it without having an IT team available that is physically on site that can help people with their computer issues and all these different things. Tech companies solve those problems. So they've done pretty well, but there's been some effects. And I think the biggest effect has been on culture. Tech companies invest a lot of time and energy into their culture. And so not being able to be in person with employees and be able to have conversations with them and, and being able to do that coaching and that development work and, and even that creative aspect. I was talking to somebody in gaming and they're dying to get back into the office because there's such a collaborative problem solving and creation aspect to being in person that they just don't have the opportunity to do as much now. Yeah. And that note too, I think on the work from home aspect, uh, talking about policies, one of the things with, just with internet speeds, right? And I don't know that's, I know that's been something I'd heard a lot about in prior years related to just if Austin wanted to recruit, you know, attract more tech companies here, we need to have more ac access to higher speed internet infrastructure. Um, obviously with, well, uh, yeah, with more folks, I would say outside the, you know, the tech industry going working from home, normal bandwidth, uh, Normal bandwidth limits have been, you know, as we see with Zoom calls for anyone or the Google video calls for folks whose calls freeze all the time and fall off is now an issue for more, more of the, the, you know, the non-tech world, right? You say you want to say it that way. And, you know, on the, on the policy side, I wonder, um, that's something your member, members are looking at. Just, um, I know it came up in an early council meeting. Early, uh, it seems like you know, years ago, I think it was probably in the spring around, around this issue just is, is, internet speed a utility the same way water or power is in the sense of having high speed quality internet to be able to 
you know, work from home with the same reliability as you would if you were uh, work in your office? You know, it's interesting because I was part of a lot of those conversations on whether or not, you know, internet or broadband should be considered a utility. And I'm not a proponent of that because you have so many different companies that are offering these services. And, you know, and, and I used to work in the trash and recycling industry and the city of Austin's trash contract is a really, and it's treated like a utility in the downtown market mm -hmm. or the downtown area. And it's, it's really, really difficult to navigate all the different rules and the regulations and the type of, you know, containers you needed and everything else. So when you look at broadband, if you look at it and say, we're going to make this a utility and we're going to expand this out to our entire city of Austin district that even goes beyond downtown, now all of a sudden you have to put the full infrastructure in, which is there, but then you have to get, you have to deploy boxes out to people. You have to figure out who can pay for it and treating it like the utility. There are people who get their electricity and you know their heat and everything turned off because they can't afford to pay that utility. Where when you look at the companies who are providing these services, so you look at AT&T, you look at Spectrum, you look at Grande, you look at Google Fiber, they actually have really inexpensive offerings for low income families. So pretty much if you can just say, hey, listen, I have a SNAP benefits card, here's what it looks like, they're going to give you internet and, and good internet for $10 a month. Mm -hmm. And so they've made it really affordable. And for some of these folks, they've even made it free. Like if they have a certain number of kids in their household, some of the companies are just saying, listen, we're, we're going to make it free for this, or we're going to upgrade you free to something higher, especially if you've got kids that are doing learning at home. So looking at all of those different things, the companies are actually providing really great services through that. And that's how they, it, and they not only do it because it's an altruistic aspect and they want to be able to help these people, but there's also aspects to the federal government when they provide the funding and the resources and the infrastructure development to these companies, that's part of that program as well. And that would be part of that program under any administration we have. But when we look at what are the actual issues, you've got people who, you know, the downtown corridor, we've got great internet for the most part because you have so many businesses and so many people living here. But then you look at like Circle C where they didn't really build the internet for everybody to be on it at home with their kids needing to do school like from eight to five every mm -hmm. single day. And so the companies came out and I think they did a really good job trying to beef up particular areas and do different things. I have a friend in Barton Creek who has her internet company coming out to try to fix things in her home right now. But the real kicker in this and the thing that could help solve this problem is getting 5G internet throughout our entire community. And yes, some people might need to upgrade, you know, their devices or, or what have you, but the 5G internet is really what is going to help us with our internet connectivity issues. And so that's something ATC has really been pushing for for a long time. The trouble is the biggest issue that we're having right now is the permitting department within the city of Austin is actually not working with the telecommunications office in the city of Austin to get that, the, you know, the permits going so that they can get the small cells out there. And, you know, and, and this is something that's really been a big effect for everybody. And so I know it's something that 
Um, you know, city manager's office has been working on it. The telecommunications department within the city of Austin is working on it. So it's really looking at how do we solve this problem? And sometimes you don't go to city council to solve problems because this isn't a problem city council can solve. This is a problem that internal departments need to be solved to solve. So reaching out to those folks and coming up with solutions and, and being really strategic about who you're having conversations with. Yeah, we've had, um, on, speaking of 5G, we've had some folks, we've had uh, Bob, well, I don't think he's with at t anymore, but Bob Yagno with, uh, on the show several times in 2019, 18, talking about 5G because at and I know it had, it was pretty well publicized. It was, it was an announcement of a rollout of 5G in major markets, test markets across the nation. And I know, unfortunately, 5G has also been politicized some this year. I don't know if that was my, I don't know if that was the, the the disaster or the disaster the uh, the crisis of, of May or whatever month. But it was I remember that being um, I think it subsided somewhat. At least I haven't seen it as much on, on 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 social media channels. But aside from that, I think you know 5G is definitely you know we're I think uh, I would agree on the infrastructure part of getting there. And I've heard similar comments just from colleagues on working that through. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no, and on the 5G aspect, there are a lot of people who are like, it's going to make your brain explode on on social media. You know, people on Facebook who suddenly have a degree in, you know, engineering. Mm -hmm. And and I my typical response is, well, using cell phones was supposed to give everybody brain cancer, and we haven't all gotten brain cancer. So, you know, it's it's that aspect of looking at 5G, understanding what it really is, the small cells, the fact that you know, I, I had one person say, well, they're, they're going to be ugly and they're going to be awful and they're going to be worse than the cell towers. And it's like, no, they're actually the size of a briefcase and they mm -hmm. sit on top of an electric pole. And so not even a big briefcase, like a small briefcase. And so it's, you know, I think people, before they start sharing memes and before they start, you know, prophesizing, you know, the end of the world, they need to actually go out and do some research and, and have some understanding and, and, you know, if, if I see a meme that's not true, I will, I will let you know. And I'll let everybody who's following your feed know as well. I, as I've seen, and you know, researching topics for you talk about is novel concepts. <laughs> I'm <laughs> rhetorical, not at all. Cold, yeah. cold um, so switching gears though to um, on the capital like market side, what have you seen in members in terms of, you know, investments um, or investments in Austin, whether physical infrastructure, we have, you know, Tesla's, that uh, new factory here has been well publicized and it's moving pretty fast, but also, um, you know, hard capital infrastructure, but also just actual dollars and cents. And um, what have you seen over the last several quarters of 2020 in Austin? You know, it's really interesting. I, we've had a lot of activity in the tech sector on the capital side over the last several months and some really big announcements, which is fantastic. I know Ojo Labs just recently had an announcement. Um, you had big commerce that went out for an IPO. You've got M&A work that's going on all the time. And I think this, the start of the pandemic, you saw the, the venture capitals just kind of shrink a little bit, which they typically do when something like that happens. Um, you know, they, they looked at their portfolio. They want to make sure that, that the companies that are in their portfolios are secure and sound. But the private equity immediately started seizing upon the opportunity to do M&A work. And I think now you're starting to see the VCs say, well, you know, tech has not been affected in the same way that, you know, other industries have been affected. And you see a lot of things that are coming out from the, the biotech sector and the health tech sector 
that are really interesting to companies. So, so the investment side, we're starting to see a really big uptick within that and people are really feeling confident about it. And you've got, I think, you know, probably over the next six months to a year, we're going to see some really interesting discussions around mergers and acquisitions that people are working on right now that are going to create bigger companies. And I really truly believe that out of this, we're going to see a lot of opportunities for companies who are, you know, really looking at, you know, creating some type of a structure where it gets them to that billion dollar cap here probably within the next five to 10 years. So that's exciting to see. And, you know, the one thing that tech companies have a tendency to be really great on is the pivot. And, and the pivot comes also from, you know, the mentorship and the guidance that they get from the venture capital and the private equity community. And the banks are starting to look at, you know, how do they work in putting in deals and how do they support the industry and the companies and everything else. So it, I think over the next six to 12 months, we're going to see some really exciting announcements and we're going to see some things that people are working on right now come to fruition and, and I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, we just, we love to see our members be successful and, and achieve their goals. So, so that's a, that's a big focus for us every day. Very good. Um, on the policy side, we had 5G infrastructure. Are there any other like local state and local, state and local policies y'all are or concerns y'all are looking at, um, especially as we're approaching the legislative session in January here in Texas? So from a state perspective, not so much. I think the state's going to be primarily focused in the next legislative session on anything COVID related that's going to help businesses in Texas get back up and running. I'm a little concerned about some of the decisions that are coming out of the state that about the reopening aspect, just because I, it, it's not anything where I think it's going to have a negative effect on tech per se, but just have some concerns about, you know, the potential of bars opening and things like that, because I, I don't want to see us have another significant rise like mm -hmm. we did this past summer. And that's just more for, for the health and well-being of people and their families and, and their health. Uh, from the city perspective, we're really tracking what they're doing in regards to, you know, they, they just announced that they're, they're launching an economic development corporation. So really interested in seeing what they're going to do for that. Also interested in seeing how they're going to support small businesses, because that actually has a huge effect on tech companies. So if small businesses can't survive, then a lot of our members who provide services and provide technology that help these small companies grow and expand or, or just you know, continue to maintain and, and be healthy companies, they end up losing customers as a result of that. So we really wanna see the support for the small businesses outside of the tech sector here in the Austin market. On the federal level, and we don't usually do a whole lot on the federal level, but I'm gonna make some phone calls and do some outreach today because I'm extremely dismayed that the talks on the stimulus package are going to be stalled until after the election. I think that's a huge loss, not only to the technology sector, but to every sector of our economy. And it causes great concern for me that this is now becoming a political chip as opposed to keeping our country healthy from an economic standpoint. And there are a lot of businesses out there who are going to be negatively affected. And that's going to in turn end up affecting technology companies. So 
there's going to be a little bit of my day today, um, you know, reaching out to not just my local representatives, but the governor's office, reaching out to as many of the, you know, the, the Congress people that support in the Texas market as, as well as our two senators offices, because this is something that's vital just to the entire country's economy. Very good. And then on the, uh, are there any near term, maybe this quarter or future ATC initiatives or projects you're or looking to do or engage in? You know, we were one of the first groups to start virtual panels and discussions and everything. And, and they've been great and they've been wonderful. And it's been a, the only way for us to keep involved with our community. So we're really still focused on those, but we're focused on redesigning those and looking at them from a different aspect. So we're starting one program called Meet the Team, where a company's leadership group, whether it's their CEO and a few other VPs or C-suite or, or it's their VPs or a particular area of their company come out and we put them into breakout rooms so that if you want to talk to the chief revenue officer of XYZ company and you're in sales, you can be part of that particular breakout group. So give people an opportunity for networking and mentorship. And then we're also going to be launching CEO discussions, which is, you know, conversations between two CEOs and, and talking about various topics that are important to both of them. So we're doing that. And then we had discussions this morning. So we're looking at starting a, it sounds a little silly, but a book club that we'll be doing online and we'll be partnering with IEEE on that and something that we'll start in 2021, but it's really focused on the engineering group and talking about engineering leadership. So, because that's a huge focus for IEEE and they've been a member of ours for a long time. So we're excited to get involved with that and, and share education and understanding around those, those different things. So we're constantly looking at different ways to get the word out about the online programming, but at the same time, do it a little bit different so that it's fresh and new for people. And it's something where they can actually get engaged because our members miss seeing each other face to face. So they're just trying to figure out like, how can we get together in person without getting together in person? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, any plug you want to give for why companies should join ATC and maybe talk about the different membership levels that are available too. So, you know, ATC has been around again since 1992. And the one thing that we've always been is a community. So we're a community of technology companies that come together and want to support each other and want to see each other grow. There's, it, it's always been interesting to me to go into an actual event of ours and see two companies that you think would technically be competitors. And instead they get together and they talk and they share ideas and, you know, they're not sharing any intellectual property with each other, but they're talking about what their space looks like and what are the trends that they're both seeing because they realize you know there's a lot of people out there that can use both of their products and services they're not going to take on every single client and customer and so they want to help each other and that's really what our entire community is about so i think that is the number one and the most important benefit we've got a lot of other things that we do especially for companies who are struggling with getting out there to new markets We've got a huge social media following of over 26,000. And that's not just in the Austin market, but it's globally. And we push out information about our members all the time. In fact, I was talking to our director of marketing yesterday. She spends at least an hour every single day of combing for good news about our members so she can share that out and get that information out to people. So, you know, these are the types of things that we do on a daily basis. And, and 
you know, I think just really, especially now, especially with the fact that we are all pretty much isolated for the most part, it's really important to get involved with a community that's going to be supportive and that's going to want to see you succeed. And so opportunities for us are, you know, there, there's opportunities to just be a member and, and request introductions and come to online events and programming there's we've got partners who we promote and support throughout the entire year like luna data solutions and and amazon and you know a few other companies and then we have um you know we've, we've got opportunities for companies to come in and sponsor events too which gives them an, the opportunity to help develop the content that we put out and to present themselves and their teams as thought leaders and then one last thing that we do for our members is we have an experts list. So we have the press reach out to us pretty frequently wanting to know who, who can do an interview on this, who can speak to this. We have outside conventions and conferences that reach out to us and they're looking for speakers and we go to the experts list and we help identify who those people are from there. We also use it for our own internal purposes as well when we need subject matter experts. So it's, it's always a good thing. Very good. We'll include information in the show notes for how uh, any interested companies can uh, can join ATC as well as uh, contact Amber. So Amber Gunst is the CEO of Austin Technology Council. Thank you for your time. Thank you, AJ. You have a wonderful day.